name is Derek M. Cook. My journey continues. A journey that I hope will introduce you to many, many more monster movies for several years to come. This journey, I can't do any more of this. This is Derek M. Cook. This is Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. This is episode 531, and we are talking about Dark Shadows this time around. I have got Penny Dreadful, a.k.a. Danielle Galerter, here on the show to talk about her new podcast, The Terror at Collinwood. And I'm really excited because, one, I've not really had her on the show proper. Yeah, she was on a Monster Bash episode a few years back, but to actually spend a whole bunch of time with her talking about Dark Shadows and a handful of other things, that was just a treat. And two... It's Dark Freaking Shadows. Dark Shadows is awesome. I love me some Dark Shadows. She loves Dark Shadows even more, and I cannot wait to share the conversation that I had with her with you. Of course, this would not be an episode of Monster Kid Radio without a couple of segments. Kenny brings back a classic look at Famous Monsters of Filmland, and Mark Matsky has another beta capsule review covering an episode of Ultraman, episode 15 this time around. He's been going through every single episode of that Ultra series and Ultra Q before it, and it's just been amazing. And hey, did you guys and gals see that Mill Creek Entertainment has announced that they've got plans to release even more Ultraman series through the end of the year? Hello, Amazon wishlist. Make some Ultra Room. I'm just saying. I'm really excited about it. And, you know, they announced this on Ultraman Day, which was just a couple of days ago. I hope you celebrated Ultraman Day. And Mark, in particular, I hope you celebrated Ultraman Day by at least watching one episode of Ultraman or reading something Ultraman-related. I know there's a new comic book series from Marvel Comics. You could have read a comic. I just hope you did. I hope everybody did something Ultraman-related. Of course, there's always next year and the year after that, you know, future Ultraman Days. Or make Ultraman Day today when you hear his beta capsule review. I'm going to go ahead and do some of the stuff that I normally do at the end of the show right here. First of all, Big thanks to the band that's letting us play their music here on the show. It's Los Dedos, and this is the song, The Bat. It's from their EP release, Los Dedos, which came out earlier this year in March. There's five songs on this EP release. Each one of them's pretty cool. I like The Bat in particular, and not just because they just released a music video for it, featuring footage from the classic film The Bat. In fact, I'm going to be able to show that music video during this upcoming Saturday's Monster Kid Movie Club. So you don't want to miss that. The Monster Kid Movie Club is something that we do every Saturday. And this Saturday, we're showing a bunch of Mad Scientist movies. It happens on Twitch. So you go to twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio or monsterkidmovie.club on Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific. That's when the pre-show starts. And at noon, the movies start and it goes to at least eight o'clock that evening. We're going to be showing some awesome movies. I'm really looking forward to it. Scott Morris does the pre-show. He always does a bang out, bang out, bang up, knocked. He does a really good job. <laughs> and I'm really excited for that too. So come and join us for one movie or for all of them and keep your eyes open online because on Facebook and on Twitter, I announce the schedule usually the day before. So you'll know what movies to expect to find there. This upcoming Tuesday is the Monster Kid Astronomy Club at the same place. Normally we show science fiction movies. Lately we've been doing a lot of film serials. Well, this time around, we're going to be doing two silent films starring Harry Houdini. You don't want to miss that either. 
And again, I usually post a schedule for that uh, usually the day before. So keep your eyes open and join us for that. This, of course, will all be on our website at monsterkidradio.net where you're going to find all of our links to Facebook and Twitter and Discord and Reddit. And you're going to find our contact information. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. You'll also find links to everything that we talk about here on the show. I'll make sure there are links to a number of Dark Shadows products in our website. So if you want to pick up anything Dark Shadows, please consider using one of those links because we are an Amazon affiliate. And while it doesn't cost you anything extra, it does take a penny or two out of the going to outer space pockets of Jeff Bezos and put some into the Monster Kid Radio coffers. And believe me, every little bit helps. Okay, let's go ahead and get into this episode. We've got Kenny, we've got Mark, we've got Penny, we've got Dark Shadows, and we have a host that needs to stop flapping his gums so we can get to the rest of the show. from the grave. Boy, does he give a hickey. The Mummy. Fear will freeze you when you face it. The Mummy. Torn from the darkest tomb of the pharaohs, it rises from the quiet dust of centuries to wreak a strange vengeance against mankind. The Mummy. It tears steel bars like paper. It snaps men's spines like matchsticks. Walks through bullets like a ghost. It sees without eyes. It lives without breath. Yet its desires are strangely, madly human. The motion picture screen's most shocking experience in suspense. In chilling technicolor. The mummy. Three animated TV series, three animated feature films, over 50 years of stories, over 150 characters, 10 core comic book titles, 27 spin-off comic book titles, nearly 30 limited series spin-offs, and of course, four feature films. Well, okay, five if you count Captain America Civil War, or maybe it's like four and a half. The Avengers are a Marvel Comics mainstay, and no matter how many films crush it at the box office, or how many more Avengers spin-off titles come out, it all comes back to that original comic series that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby thrust upon the world in 1963. And I'm going to read the entire run. My name is Derek M. Cook, and I'm a recovering comic book fan. Over on my YouTube channel, Comicstalgia, you can join me as I make my way through the comic with my Reading the Avengers YouTube series. Every episode, I'll take a look at an issue of the comic, share my thoughts about the story, its artwork and characters, and reflect on how the issue may have impacted or inspired other facets and corners of all things Marvel. I'd like to invite you to join me as I make my way through every single issue of this iconic comic book. Assemble with me at tinyurl.com slash readingtheavengers. Or look up Comicstalgia on YouTube where you can find all the previous episodes and even subscribe to make sure you don't miss anything 
while we're reading The Avengers. That's tinyurl.com slash readingtheavengers. Nuff said. Live from the land of light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty ultra heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Terrifying cosmic rays are at work in the 15th episode of Ultraman, causing the drawings of a child to come to life. At first, a schoolboy named Mushiba is teased because the monster he drew looked like a tadpole. The razzing continues as he sketches the monster on a pipe, but when the aforementioned cosmic rays strike the artwork, the kaiju comes to life, producing Gavadon, who waddles about, attracting the attention of the science patrol before falling asleep. When the sun goes down, Gavadon disappears. Mushiba's status is on the rise, and his newly friendly classmates collaborate with him in drawing a bigger, better Gavadon. The next day, Gavadon, now far more colorful and intimidating looking, makes a brief rampage but once again falls asleep in the middle of the city, bringing the local economy to a screeching halt. After sundown, the children visit their revised drawing and urge their monster to try a little harder to be menacing. Meanwhile, the SSSP and the military prepare for direct confrontation with the creature, but when Ultraman arrives on the scene, he finds himself in uncharted territory, regarded as a villain by the children who created Gavadon. Terrifying Cosmic Rays is an utterly fascinating entry in the Ultraman series as it explores the affection children have towards giant monsters and the creative drive they inspire. From the meta beginning with school kid artwork of Ultra Monsters, to the stunning final scene, the episode suggests that children not only love to draw kaiju, they also simply love kaiju. That puts Ultraman in an awkward spot, and you'll notice our hero does not kill Gavadon, but instead transports him to the stars. This 15th entry in the series, written and directed by the same team responsible for last week's Pearl Defense Directive, displays a deep and almost uncanny understanding of their target audience, kids who identify with monsters. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Mansky reporting. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, it's alive. A gigantic beast. Stalking the earth, crushing all before it. In a cyclonic cavalcade of electrifying horror. Raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Incredible titan of terror. Wiping out a city of six million in a holocaust of flame. Jet planes cannot destroy it. Bombs cannot kill it. All modern weapons fail. Is this the end of our civilization? Can the scientists of the world find a way to stop this creature? For the answer, see Godzilla, King of the Monsters. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. A tale to stun the mind.
More fantastic than any ever written by Jules Verne. More terrifying than any ever shown on the screen. Awesome. Incredible. Unbelievable. A story beyond your wildest dreams. Dynamic violence. Savage action. Spectacular thrills. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Fantastic beyond comprehension. Gripping beyond compare. Astounding beyond belief. The mightiest monster of them all. See Godzilla, King of the Monsters. <laughs> Please, we're doing all we can for you. We're trying to bring you back down to normal size. You do think I'm a freak, don't you? But you know, to me, you're the freak. The one who's different. I'm not growing. You're shrinking. <laughs> he started as a normal human being. But now, each day, he doubles in size. Where will it stop? The amazing, colossal man. Colonel, he's been reported in Las Vegas. Impossible. How can he walk 120 miles in only an hour? Impossible. Not when you're 60 feet tall. The amazing, colossal man. Twins of evil. The most fearsome females in horror history. One uses her beauty for love. One uses her lure for blood. Twins of Evil, rated R. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today, Derek and Penny Dreadful are looking at Dark Shadows. I have dragged a three-year-old segment out of the crypt to remind our old listeners and inform our new ones of how this classic TV series was covered in FM. Here we go. This classic program was featured in Famous Monsters 52 from October of 1968. The fang-bearing Jonathan Frid as Barnabas Collins is on the cover, which also mentions articles on Dr. Cyclops and Planet of the Apes. Inside, we find an eight-page article about the show, which includes ten photos. The article begins with this introduction. His parents christened him Barnabas Collins. Nothing unusual about that, except it took place 175 years ago. Grown to manhood, one dark night in Barnabas' life, he became unchristened. The night he took on an unholy new kind of pseudo-life, a living death. The night he became a vampire. But Barnabas is such a human vampire that his vast television public has great sympathy for him. His gentility has endeared him to the hearts and hemoglobin of millions of mesmerized TV watchers who can't live without their daily dose of dark shadows. The article continues with the history of the show's development and then talks about the star Jonathan Frid, who had this to say about his role. When I leave the studio, I go home and work two or three hours on the script. I have no social life at all. I must get up at 6.30 or 7 and work for an hour over breakfast before going to the studio. At the studio, I work on the script all day long when I'm not rehearsing. I play Barnabas as a lonely man with a conscience, Frid continued. He's a guilt-ridden monster because of his need for blood, but he is also a sympathetic human who yearns to be a normal man. My character is unpredictable. I'll go along for a while being very quiet and tragic. Then suddenly I'll lunge as the lust for blood overwhelms me. The fantastic fan reaction to the Barnabas character is then described as well as a celebration of his first anniversary, which was April 14, 1967. For some strange, unknown reason, the article concludes with silly vampire riddles like this one. 
what happens when you cross a vampire with a hippopotamus. You get a hippopotamus that casts no reflection in a mirror. Dark Shadows is featured seven issues later in November of 1969 in issue 59. Barnabas again graces the cover, this time in the form of a beautiful medium-shot portrait painted by Basil Gogos. Inside, we find a seven-page article with nine photos from the show. The article was taken from an in-depth interview with Jonathan Frid about his acting career. In this section, he compares Barnabas to the Bela Lugosi portrayal of Dracula. I play Barnabas as a being with human emotions. I'm not copying Lugosi because, in fact, I didn't know much about his characterization of the vampire until I caught the Dracula movie on the late movie recently. I'll admit I was fascinated by Lugosi. His performance was like a ballet, yet his vampire was a bloodless, evil, passionless monster. With the white face and full red lips, he gave the appearance of death. I never took that tact. The Dark Shadows writers gave full life to Barnabas. He was a human being, more like Mr. Hyde with a lust for blood. Lugosi played his character in a monotone, no range, no warmth, just a cold-blooded vampire which actually is more legitimate in keeping with the legends. I suppose women see Barnabas as a romantic figure because I portray him as a lonely, tormented man who bites girls in the neck, but only when my uncontrollable need for blood drives me to it, and I always feel remorseful about it later. He has a nasty problem. He craves blood. Afterwards, like an alcoholic or addict, he is ashamed but simply cannot control himself. Remember, too, Lugosi's Dracula wasn't particular about where the blood came from. Renfield was a male among his early victims. Barnabas is partial to women, which makes him again a more romantic character. The article finishes with a closer look at Fred's influences and career. This Dark Shadows article shares FM 59 with looks at the classic Hammer films Dracula Has Risen from the Grave and Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, and interviews with John Carradine and Carol Borland. I want to sneak in my own Dark Shadows memories here. I was four to five years old when my mother watched Dark Shadows faithfully along with General Hospital and Another World. I vaguely remember seeing bits and pieces. One vivid memory I do have was of the storyline that involved a disembodied hand. It apparently frightened me greatly, so much that I think I was not allowed to watch anymore. My older brother took advantage of that and cut the hand off of my Raggedy Andy doll and tried to set up a Rube Goldberg device that would have the hand float down on me on a wire when I opened the door to our room. It didn't work, but I was quite upset about my doll being cut up. I have not returned to Dark Shadows. I struggle with the production values, but I hope to catch a few to see if I can get into the Dark Shadows spirit. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next week. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. could be true, you know. There could actually be a man named Barnabas Collins, and he could actually be a real vampire. House of Dark Shadows from MGM. See how the vampires do it. Rated GP, all ages, parental guidance. It all begins as a summer vacation. A young family finds a beautiful old house. It could be the answer to their dreams. So you are the people who want to rent this house. Well, you mean it's $900 and then it's all ours? Or the beginning of a nightmare. 
Burnt Offerings, starring Karen Black. Are you actually trying to tell me that this house is responsible? Oliver Reed. This house is destroying us. Oh, God! Betty Davis. This house is getting so cold. Burgess Meredith. This house will be here long, long after you have departed, you believe me? Eileen Heckert. When it comes alive, tell them what it's like. Burnt Offerings. From United Artists, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Vampires, werewolves, zombies. Yes, these things are real, but fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, the Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural ghoulish and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry. Mark Temple is discreet. This is Count Vlad, but you may recognize me by my more familiar name, Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. In your parlance, you might call these revelations spoilers. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids, can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned. And don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. Monster Radio listeners, you may know her as a horror host. You might even know her as somebody who pops up in the occasional He-Man documentary. But these days, I hope you know her as a Dark Shadows aficionado and podcaster. It's Daniel Galerter here on the show talking about Dark Shadows, and I want to catch up with her because I haven't really had a chance to talk to her in a long time. And but welcome to the show. Derek, hi. Oh my God. It's such a pleasure to be here and to to talk with you, to geek out with you, which I've been like fantasizing about for years. I want to geek out with Derek M. Cook, the Rondo Award winning oh. Derek M. <laughs> Cook, who I want to geek out with. Awesome. <laughs> oh man and i apologize i did just use your civilian name is that oh, okay <laughs> oh yes oh no that's okay that's okay, okay. that's fine <laughs> danielle and penny dreadful you know they they some they finally have come to an understanding they've kind of merged into one being it's all good <laughs> oh good good <laughs> well i've been excited to have you on the show too i mean i've been really excited about the podcast that you've launched uh and, you know i love my dark shadows I, I think you've got a deeper longer lasting love of dark shadows than me but man i get to geek out with you about dark shadows so i'm super excited about this too awesome oh i can't wait i'm so psyched yeah dark shadows it's like obsessed obsessive about dark shadows <laughs> it's it's easy to do i mean there's there's such a 
deep, I don't know, do you want to call it lore? They're, they're, yeah. You could really get lost in all things Dark Shadows real easy. I mean, mm-hmm. Over a thousand episodes to explore, and they did a lot with yeah. that. It wasn't just a, a dark, spooky soap opera. They did so much more yeah. uh, w- with the show that I think once you start watching, you're going to be impressed with you know, the different timelines and all the different monsters and lore that they are able to weave into their own storyline and make something completely unique. And that music mm-hmm. is haunting and oh the performances are so oh so good (laughs) indeed indeed yeah it's and so influential too in in a lot of ways i think a lot of times you know with the modern shows dark shadows doesn't really get as much credit as it deserves in terms of how it influenced like serialized storytelling and horror television things like supernatural and buffy the vampire slayer and vampire diaries and things like that all owe a debt to dark shadows and in particular vampires uh you know the the sort of sympathetic vampire like you see in true blood and things like that uh or especially like Anne rice with interview with a vampire and things like that where you get that sort of barnabas influence in those vampires is very clear sure I, I've, I've talked to some people who are also fans of dark shadows and they will credit dan curtis as bringing in like the sympathetic romantic dracula type with the uh, dracula tv movie that he did mm-hmm. with jack palance <laughs> but I, I still feel like you go back further and you see it clearly with barnabas yeah, uh, yeah. the the romance the 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 tortured <laughs> romance yeah. the, the the time-spanning uh love uh, element gets worked into that storyline and so effortlessly too it just it works so well yeah definitely i think barnabas really was i think it was mark dewidziak said that barnabas was the sort of the the bridge between the full-on predator vampire mm-hmm. and the more sort of tortured vampire because barnabas kind of embodied both of those elements he could be very unpredictable and dangerous but he could also have that tortured sadness and longing, you know, and mm-hmm. a Frid, uh, Jonathan Frid, really just he catapulted that sort of idea uh, of that type of vampire into pop culture. I mean, we had predecessors like uh, Gloria Holden and Dracula's daughter, right? Countess Zaleska and Var- Varney the Vampire and the Penny Dreadfuls and stuff who you could argue are also sympathetic vampires. But I think in terms of like a full-on, fully explored vampire like Barnabas where you get his backstory, even like the secret origin of Barnabas with the 1795 storyline. I believe that was a first. Like, I don't ever remember having a sustained backstory presented for a vampire before. Do you? Like, I'm trying to think back to like earlier films and stuff, and I can't think of a one where you really get that. I'm sure somebody listening right now is, is shaking their fist, you know, mentioning some obscure movie or, or, or novel or something that I just can't think of off the top of my head, but I, I really do feel like yeah i'm with you barnabas really if he wasn't the first he's the first to popularize this this tragic romantic backstory of loss but still melding it to this wicked i mean barnabas was no joke the first time i watched dark shadows which i came to relatively late you know as a monster kid Mm -hmm. i was terrified every time he was on screen with a character Mm -hmm. you know the, the first time he met willie the first time he met carolyn I was terrified for those characters because I, I didn't trust Barnabas. I was like, he's, he's a vampire. And you could see that simmering beneath the surface. Yeah. David, 
<laughs> I was super terrified for David the first time they met. It's like, yeah. oh my God, no, you know? Yeah. And and David was kind of a brat. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, so yeah. I don't know how broken up I really would have been about it, but yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> he was a brat. And then before he was a brat in the pre-Barnabas episodes, like literally a child psychopath where he's trying to kill Vicky and lock her in the West Wing of Collinwood, you know? But <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. If Barnabas had that simmering sort of that Mm -hmm. unpredictability like you don't know somebody posted online years ago they were doing like an analysis of Barnabas and they said Barnabas was always no matter how tortured Barnabas was or how much of an anti-hero he eventually became he was still always judge jury and executioner like Barnabas decided who lived and who died when he was a vampire like he just even when he wasn't a vampire sometimes he would get kind of dark like that but he was also like tortured you know like the sense of loss and longing and it was that mix that made the character so compelling I think to watch Mm -hmm. you know and to see how that unfolded you know I think Varney the, the vampire you did see some of that there was a little bit of his how he became a vampire but I don't think they really fully explored that and of course Dark Shadows I think as Jeff Thompson said like Dark Shadows was very much was a big deal in the 60s uh, and everybody was watching it especially going into 69 68 69 it was in so many living rooms and kids watching it at the height of the monster craze right when when the aurora models were at their height and the shock theater package and all this was going on dark shadows just hit at the right place at the right time. And of course, Dan Curtis himself, who I think should be in the Monster Kid Hall of Fame, by the way. I'm going to start pushing for this. I think Dan Is Curtis, he not? I don't think he is. I don't think he is. And he was a monster kid. Like, he loved all of that stuff. Like, he loved, yeah. loved the Universal films and Turn of the Screw and Jekyll and Hyde. I, he just, he was a big fan of that stuff growing up. I think he started to downplay it a little bit when I think he got pigeonholed into horror, but he did so much horror stuff. But then he he did Winds of War and War and Remembrance, you know, so I think he broke out of that kind of mold, but he'll always be remembered for his horror work. And he was a monster kid. And I, I really think he should be in the Monster Kid Hall of Fame. I don't think he is. I'm pretty sure he isn't. I just pulled up the list mm-hmm. of the Monster Kid Hall of Fame inductees over the years, mm-hmm. and I'm not seeing his name on here. So, yeah, that's we definitely need to push for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Dan Sember. If you do Dan Sember, it's got to be <laughs> <laughs> Monster Kid Hall of Fame, Dan Curtis. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, and he, uh, you can definitely tell when you watch Dark Shadows that it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to make a spooky show. He was in it. He knew his stuff and he loved it. Mm-hmm. You go and you watch his Dracula or his Frankenstein or his Chekyll and Hyde. Yeah. You can tell oh. he wasn't just, you know, glomming on to something that was popular. He really had a love for this stuff. And there was that documentary that came out, what, two years ago now at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could really learn a little bit more about his background too and just. He's somebody that I wish I would have had an opportunity to meet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He didn't do any conventions or anything like that, which is a, a shame. I know he did that television award thing that, well, you know, the Museum of Film and Television History, he got you know, Dark Shadows was inducted into that and he did that event. Um, but mm-hmm. he rarely did any kind of uh, cons or anything like that. But it would have been really cool to meet him. I hear he was a very intimidating presence, you know, big, loud and larger than life kind of a person, you you know, but with kind of a good heart, but very scary almost because of how intense he was. Yeah, and I, I could totally see that uh, just kind of based on some of the interviews that I've seen with him and some of the uh, things that I've read about him over the years, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But 
I mean, I still wanted I, just to sit down and pick his brain for just just gently, of course, you know, pick his brain for a few minutes would have been amazing. Uh, fortunately, he left us a lot of amazing television and cinema to really get into. And, and I want to talk a little bit more about your your history with Dark Shadows and, and why you decided to start a podcast. But, you know, we got to do something first. Uh Oh, dare I ask? I, I think I know what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got to play a round of the classic five. Yay. <laughs> the classic five so for listeners who don't know the classic five is a card game that we play here on the show i've got a literal deck of cards here we're going to draw five cards here and each one of these cards says a this or that which movie do you prefer style question it's not a trivia game there are no wrong answers it's just a way to get a couple of monster kids talking and i'm going to bust out some questions that were submitted by uh friend of the show scott morris mm-hmm. he ran these by the monster kid movie club last weekend i wasn't here for that i actually had to run an errand when it was happening but i love the cards so much the questions so much i want to run them by you are you ready to play a round of the classic five i am all right here we go question number one frankenstein had frankenberry dracula had count chocula and there's booberry of course what would the creature from the Black Lagoons cereal tastes like. Ooh, what would it taste like? Um, yeah, I think it would taste like lime because it would Ooh. it would be green, right? It would. Ha- I think it would have to be green, so it would be like lime flavored cereal with maybe what complements lime? Maybe uh, <laughs> like lemon marshmallows or something, you know? Ooh, yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I want to have some. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't had a good cereal in a long time, so that'd be good. That'd be great. All right. I think Van Helsing should have a cereal called Vanilla Helsing, and he can be Count Chocula's enemy. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, I love that. Somebody needs to mock that box up my, and submit that to those folks. My friend Tom did it. I asked him to do it. Oh, I'll really? send you the picture. It's great. It's oh, great. that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. All right. Question number two. What classic monster would you like to see Alfred Hitchcock direct a movie about? Ooh. Oh, wow. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh, yeah. 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 I really would love to see that. I think it would be really moody and suspenseful. Uh, a Hitchcock, Jekyll and Hyde. It'd just be really cool, I think. Wow. Oh, wow. That just that just sounds amazing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So he normally played a human character or a monster hunter, but if you had an opportunity to see Peter Cushing play a monster, what monster would you like to see him play? Oh, wow. Oh, what monster would I like to see him play? I think I would like to see him play a vampire. He's more known as a vampire hunter, but I think I would like to see him play a vampire because he's certainly has that refined aristocratic air and he can be very cold, you know, so I think he would be an interesting vampire. I immediately went to Twins of Evil when you said that in terms of like the characterization. Yeah, yeah, that would be a wicked yes, vampire. Yes, yeah. I think he would, he would, I mean, he'd be great in any role he plays. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right, so a this uh, who wins in a fight question. Who wins in a fight? Godzilla or the amazing Colossal Man? Godzilla. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think Godzilla. No hesitation. No, no, no. 
oh, Godzilla. No, he's like, come on. He's claws and teeth and the atomic breath. I mean, come on. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Actually, that's kind of where I would go to. Yeah. <laughs> tail. Just swing that tail and just knock him off. No, oh, come on. No. It's Godzilla. He's a force of nature. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you know. I mean, I'm not, not taking anything away from the amazing Colossal Man, but come on. It's Godzilla. King of the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Final question. What classic monster movie character would you like to have seen turn up in a different monster movie? Oh, um, hmm. That's an interesting question. I would like to see. Hmm. I think I would have liked to have seen the Bride of Frankenstein show up in one of the Universal sequels, maybe House of Frankenstein or House of Dracula, because the bride only gets that one little appearance at the end of Bride of Frankenstein, and she's such an iconic monster, but she gets su mm -hmm. such little screen time. I really would have liked to have seen more of Elsa Lanchester as the bride in other films. Her performance, the way uh, not, she has very little to say. I mean, she screams a few times, mm -hmm. but her her nonverbal yeah. communication is just the way she kind of jerks her head around. And I know she kind of based some of that on, uh, it was a bird of some sort, wasn't it? Yeah. A swan, a swan. Yeah. And yeah, the hissing and yeah. the Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so iconic and lasts less than five minutes on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It would have been, I mean, <laughs> that would have been amazing to see in other. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I just, I wish we could have gotten more of her, you know? Yeah. So for me, I want to, I would want to see one of the big three, you know, either Dracula, the monster or, or the Wolfman have some sort of connection to the creature films Yeah, yeah. or, or beca because I've got this, this kind of fan theory that I've been kind of massaging over the years uh, with the universal monster movies. Since Bride of Frankenstein starts with Mary Shelley telling the people their story, you know, mm -hmm. Well, the story didn't end there. It continues with this. And then she goes on and tells the Bride of Frankenstein story. So in my head, <laughs> and maybe this has just become a huge nerd. The listeners are like, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I'm a huge nerd. Uh, in my head, I, I'm saying, I'm kind of developing the theory that since Mary Shelley created the Bride of Frankenstein story, she clearly created the first story as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and since those stories continued, Son of Frankenstein goes to Frankenstein or whatever, well, Who's to say that those stories weren't stories that Mary Shelley also, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And since they cross over with Dracula and they cross over with the Wolfman, now I've got this weird fan theory where Mary Shelley is basically the mother of the Universal Monster <laughs> stories. Oh, awesome. Connecting this weird kind of continuity. And I've been trying real hard to figure out how to work Creature and Mummy into that mix. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, I think wasn't, I know Creature was in the Abbott and Costello TV show. Didn't they have, yeah. they had like a scene with the creature. And I guess that's the closest we came to sort of like the yeah. universal, including the creature as part of the, part of the gang there. But, and the mummy. Yeah, too. That's, that's uh, cause it's sold like kind of its own yeah. thing, you know, but you can find a way. But I'm still trying to, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to, I'm going to make it work. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm kind of stuck right now. Uh, I just saw creature, a uh, weekend or so ago uh, here at the Joy Cinema. And there was a scene that stood out to me this time more so than normal. And it's towards the end where Richard Carlson's in the cave and the bat comes swinging down at him. Just randomly, there's a bat. Yeah. So now my brain's like, well, Ooh. what if that's Dracula uh, kind of scoping things out? Ooh, you know, I don't ooh, know. Uh, I don't know. It's a stretch. Well, I know. <laughs> monster, when you say Monster Squad is kind of unofficially part 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we could we could include Monster Squad, right? Would that work? Yeah. There you go. There you go. There then you go. he's there. Well, it's kind of their, their alternate universe version. We were actually messaging about the the creature the other day because I was right? I wanted to pick your brain about him because I'm like, where do, where does the creature fit in with the Universal Monsters? Because the rest of them are either cursed or supernatural beings, right? Or mm-hmm. made by mad science. But the creature seems very distinct in that. Like I always thought of him as a cryptid. I mentioned that to a friend of mine a while back and I just put my theory out and I got a lot of pushback on that. I'm like, but he kind of is. I, I guess, he, you know. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I've ever really verbalized it or, or kind of put the, the words to it, but I, I think you're right. He's the abominable snowman or Bigfoot of the Amazon. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just this cryptid, this yeah, but he's he's more he's sentient in a way, like bit kind of like yeah. Bigfoot, I guess. Like he has that higher intelligence. He, I mean, he's a, a humanoid creature, but mm-hmm. he's he, he's like a lost prehistoric creature from the past that would somehow survived into the present day in this isolated lagoon. So he's that's kind of to me that's kind of a, a cryptid, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have things like uh, Guillermo del Toro did the the Shape of Water. His version of the of a gill man or was more something more mystical, or uh, like like a worshipped as a god and this being from folklore. But the Universal creature never seemed to exhibit any kind of supernatural abilities or anything like that, as I as far as I recall. So I mean, he was strong. Yeah, he wasn't it wasn't supernaturally strong. I mean, no. I totally believe that. Right, you know? right. It wasn't. Hmm. Right. Well, and and I think I mentioned the conversation we were having too. That if you go back to the Monster Squad again, it's unofficial or whatever. Yeah. You know, Dracula's got the wooden stakes, and you know all the mystical stuff with the Wolfman. Gilman's taken out with a shotgun. Yeah. And it's so disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should have at least used a harpoon or something. Oh, <laughs> like, that would have been perfect. Ah. <laughs> oh. You know, like some, uh, yeah, definitely. Like just have that callback. Like they could have, they could have done that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I also posited on the classic horror film board years ago. I posited the theory that what if he's actually tied to the deep ones, Lovecraft's deep ones from the shadow over Innsmouth? Yep. That got some definite pushback too. <laughs> People were like, "No, it's not Lovecraft." I was like, "I know. I'm sure Universal was not." Probably not reading Lovecraft, people at the at Universal. Even on their radar, probably yeah. not. But it just seemed like it was like, well, that maybe that's a thing. Like you know, just mm-hmm. fan fan theories. You know, like I don't think he is. I that I'm not partial to that theory. But it was just I just kind of put it out there to see what people thought. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, and I've heard people bring up the Lovecraft connection with Creature again, which may be part of the reason why I love the Creature so much, because mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of yeah. of the writing yeah, of oh, Lovecraft. Yeah. So. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. Oh, man, that's wonderful stuff, yeah. Shadow of Innsmouth is just oh, so good, yeah, and all of that. All of Cthulhu and, oh, my God, Dunwich Horror, which was in Dark Shadows. That's another one. Dan Curtis came in with Dunwich Horror. It was like, let's do this, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> Like, yeah, I was gonna. I was about to say, you know, what if Dan Curtis had done some Lovecraft? But there was some Lovecraft in there. Yeah, so. yeah, the Leviathans, uh, which I think gets a lot of flack from fans, but I, I kind of dig the Leviathans because it's just such a crazy pivot from coming out of the 1897 storyline, the much beloved 1897 storyline, which is deservedly so, a wonderful 
storyline. But then you go to Leviathans, which is the most really bizarre kind of turn of events that they introduce into the show. And that's the thing with Dark Shadows. They kept throwing things into the mix to see if it would work. Like, let's do Frankenstein. Let's do Jane Eyre. Let's do Lovecraft. You know, it's like just throw it Mm -hmm. in and see what happens. And I think they took the Dunwich Horror and they did something fun with it and worked it into the mythology of Dark Shadows. And I thought that's one of the things I really like about Dark Shadows is that they will pull from these classic horror stories and then reimagine them in their own universe. And I think that's part of why I like, I know you're a big uh, role-playing fan, like Ravenloft. I used to love Ravenloft. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I used to love Ravenloft, but it was similar to Dark Shadows in that way too. Like they would take Dracula or Frankenstein or Jekyll and Hyde or whatever and then reimagine it in their own universe and they'd have you'd have these dark lords each dark lord had their own domain and they were kind of reflective of these classic horror archetypes in that world Mm -hmm. that gothic world of of ravenloft yeah that was yeah 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 anytime i can work mantras into my gaming i'm 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 there and see (laughs) the ravenloft stuff Mm -hmm. uh you know steve sullivan's been on the show a lot and he was one of the co-creators of the chill role-playing games yes all sorts of horror stuff you can do with that. and yeah, I've been corresponding with He reached out to me because of the Dark Shadows podcast. Uh, he was like, oh, I've been listening to your podcast. Well, so it, well, you commented on it. So I've been messaging back and forth. And he's going to come on the show at some point. Yeah? Yeah, he, yeah to talk about Quentin's ghost storyline. Because that, nice. that was when he first started watching the, the show uh, was the Quentin's ghost storyline. I think that was the first one he watched. So that's the one we're going to discuss when he comes on. Right on. So you brought up the podcast here. Let's yeah. see your podcast. Are you going to give me some segues here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Terror at Collinwood. Yes. And it's been going now for a few months mm-hmm. and you can find it at terroratcollinwood.com, uh, but just Google it and you'll be able to find it. And it is just awesome. I know you reached out to me when you were first getting started with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved what I heard even before the official launch. And it's just gotten better and better. Thank you. And I'm not just saying that because you invited me to be on the Thank show. Thank you. Once and I, had <laughs> well, to, yeah. I, had to, I had to turn it down because I was too busy. But well, we're good. Well, I would love to have you on. Well, thank oh, you for all. Definitely. And thank you for all the advice, too, because you, you gave me a lot of useful advice because I was like, how do I make a podcast? <laughs> Like, I've never done this before. So I kept messaging you and like, you know, I appreciate the the feedback. And I just had Dominique on and the Dominique Lamsies, who I heard on Monster Kid Radio. And I was like, oh, Dominique's like a huge Dark Shadows fan. I have to have her on, too. So she was great. I hope I'm not talking out of turn and kind of outing her a little bit when 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 you reached out to her, she she geeked out to me and a couple of people like, oh, I get to be on the show. It's like, so yeah. Aww, that was- <laughs> aww, that's awesome. Oh, she was. I mean, she sens- she kept it cool, but you know, I know she was excited. <laughs> she was sensational. She was just great. Wonderful. Yeah. She's one of my favorite people. So to have her on <laughs> your show was just super cool. Oh, we had a blast. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, how long? It, it's only been going for a few months now, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I, I definitely feel like it's something that has legs for sure. It, it's there's so much you can do. Mm-hmm. So much you can do with Dark Shadows and uh, with what you're doing, the way you're kind of picking the different storylines and all that. You're not doing like an episode by episode breakdown, no. whatever. You're, you're picking up the big, the bigger storylines and kind of diving into the themes behind all those. And I love that approach because there's so much to do with Dark Shadows. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, because because you can always come back around and dive into mm-hmm. subplots and characters and and things like that. I did have a couple of friends who wanted me to do an episode by episode podcast, but I said, look, there are one thousand two. 
225 episodes of Dark Shadows. <laughs> Even if I did this as a weekly podcast, which I don't plan to do in the long run, it would take me over 23 years to cover every single episode of Dark Shadows. So like, as much as I would love to do that, I may pick specific episodes and devote a podcast episode to discussing that episode. But the whole shebang, I think it's just... The way to approach it, I think, is just talk the storyline. But uh, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun doing that. And uh, Terror at Collinwood was actually one of Dan Curtis's uh, I, uh, names that he was thinking about using for Dark Shadows when they were considering names for the show. Uh, you know, Shadows on the Wall and the House on on Widow's Hill. One of the names he was considering was Terror at Collinwood, and that's actually where that name came from. It just seemed like a good name for the for a podcast about Dark Shadows. Mm-hmm. You know. And which is something that I learned through your show. I, I had mm-hmm. no idea that that was one of the potential titles. So mm-hmm. you're going to learn something if you haven't listened to the show yet. Another reason not to just to geek out about Dark Shadows, but actually learn a few things about the <laughs> production as well. Mm-hmm. How do you pick which storyline or which story you're going to cover on the show? I'm just going in order. I started with the first one with, with the Burke Devlin's Revenge and Vicky's search for her, her parents and then Laura, the Phoenix, and then introduction of Barnabas. And each storyline, I, I bring somebody on who's passionate about that storyline or the characters, some of the characters in that storyline, and give them the opportunity to share their views and insights on that storyline. And I think that's part of the fun is having different people come in and kind of geek out with me. It's just an excuse for me to like geek out with people who, because none of my friends really watch Dark Shadows, although I'm trying to convince them to. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So like, oh, this is is a great opportunity to geek out with many people about Dark Shadows. Yeah, I just kind of go in order and then I'm uh, peppering in other topics as well as I go through this. Like I have an upcoming episode this week with Tom Diamond from the Literary License podcast, and uh, he's a big Thayer David fan as everyone should oh, be <laughs> nice oh he's phenomenal oh he totally is he's wonderful what a wonderful actor you know and so he we did the characters of thayer david and just talked about each of the characters he played in dark shadows you know uh which because he played more characters than any other actor in the show uh so um you know we had fun kind of talking about him so i like peppering in other topics as we go along in addition to just talking about the storyline itself. And I'm going to have people from the, that's a a question I get pretty regularly is, oh, are you going to have anybody actors from the show? Eventually I plan to, I want to get over the butterflies, you know, and (laughs) get my, get my (laughs) sea legs. But I actually have been talking to uh, one of the production people from the show randomly is so strange. Uh, He reached out to me about Shilling Shockers about the the horror host show because he now runs a TV station down in New Jersey. And I was like, wait a minute, are you from Dark Shadows? Because I recognize the name from the, he's like, yeah, I'm semi-retired and I run this TV station now down here. And I'm like, oh my God, can you be on my podcast? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was Nick Bessing. He was that one of the video engineers on the show, a video and tech guy on the show. I was like, oh my God, I recognized his name. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This can't be the same person. So I asked him, I said, Are you the Nick Bessing from Dark Shadows? Who was like the video engineer on Dark Shadows? He's like, Yeah, I was that I worked on the old Dark Shadows TV show. I was like, What? No way. He's like, Yeah, I'm semi-retired. I run the station in New Jersey now, like a local, you know, access station down there. I was like, what? <laughs> I literally just started a Dark Shadows podcast. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's just uh, fun to, to geek out. And I, I really wanted to do it from like a Monster Kid perspective. 
because, you know, Dark Shadows came out, like I said, came out at that time during the monster boom, during the monster craze. And I think a lot of monster kids love Dark Shadows a lot. But I've also encountered sort of that sort of like, oh, it was a soap opera. So there's doesn't register for some people like, oh, I don't watch soap operas, but it's like Dark Shadows really wasn't a soap opera in I mean it was in the sense that it was a serialized narrative certainly but it was its own thing like Dan Curtis pitched that as a primetime show he came in he wanted to do it and they they gave him a soap opera and he's like okay he used that format to do what he wanted with the show right and eventually it became this monster mash I mean with all these supernatural storylines so I think in the sense yes it is a serialized narrative story and you do have romance in there. There is gothic romance in there too, but it's it's definitely I, its own animal, I think. I'm always kind of disappointed when people are like, oh, it's too too much of a soap opera for me. I'm like, what does that mean? Like all TV shows now, all genre shows now are pretty much soap operas, right? You know, even non-genre shows like Breaking Bad and stuff like that was all, all serialized narrative, Game of Thrones and things like that, you know? From the very beginning of Dark Shadows, there might not be that over supernatural mm -hmm. influence but it's still gothic from, oh know, yeah it bleeds gothic oh yeah it, it, it seeping from the screen yeah and then you start to get into some of the spooky with the ghosts and all that mm -hmm. and then the one storyline that i had to turn down being shown about the, the phoenix storyline yeah. is just amazing yeah yeah i love that storyline so much and, and just you know, when, oh, man, but the seance they were trying to do to, oh, oh yeah, so yeah, good. with Dr. Guthrie, yeah. Uh, oh, I love Dr. Guthrie. Yeah. I was so disappointed with what happened to Dr. I Guthrie. I know, I know. That actor is still alive, too, John Lassell. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he's, I think he's in his 90s, but yeah, he's he's still alive, but he doesn't really talk about Dark Shadows. I don't think he remembers too much of it. He was on for a short time, you know, but uh, yeah, mm -hmm. that was such a weird, unique storyline with the phoenix, like, to take a mythological phoenix that bird and kind of turn it into this supernatural humanoid being that kind of is reborn in the flames and played by diana malay who was so ethereal herself and had this mm -hmm. eccentric strange otherworldly quality about her it was such a cool storyline and really weird and different it's not something I expected. Again, like I said, I came to this kind of late in the game mm -hmm. and I was hooked from the beginning. And then when this supernatural stuff started happening, of all the things to throw into a supernatural scary show, a phoenix? Yeah. But it works. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. You know, he, he, he gets this kind of a very dangerous kind of element to the whole thing and that I have never even considered. But yeah. It worked so well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it also, like, set the stage for Barnabas, too. Like, she was the first supernatural antagonist in the show, the first supernatural villain in the show, and sort of set the stage with the underpinnings to bring in Barnabas as well. And it's cool that they went for something so strange and different first before even th thinking to bring in a vampire. They did it. A, a phoenix like who would think to do that you know it's such a weird right? weird idea you know with the painting and everything with david and the flames and stuff and then they bring her back later of course you know and she 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 returns later on and it's a good character for that because she's just a cyclical being who she's, comes a to, she's a phoenix <laughs> so she can come keep coming back of course in dark shadows everybody comes back like <laughs> death yeah. death is just like hitting the pause button on dark shadows <laughs> 
<laughs> you're going to come back as a ghost or whatever, a zombie or another character, you know. Yeah, except for Burke Devlin. I always want to work uh, Burke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I know Dominique and I disagree about Burke. She cannot stand him. Yeah, and yeah. and I think he's kind of a creep, but he's yeah. he's a fun creep. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> I think he's a good character. Mitch Ryan character. was great, a uh, great actor oh, yeah. to play that. He played that role very well. Anthony George, I felt bad for him. Like those were big shoes to fill and he wasn't mm-hmm. he wasn't like he wasn't as good as Mitch Ryan in that role, but I thought he was very good as Jeremiah. He was a much better Jeremiah, I thought, but mm-hmm. but yeah. Burke, uh, I don't know if you've heard Big Finish does these audio plays, these Dark Shadows yeah. audio plays, and they did one where Burke comes back, and they got Mitch Ryan. They got Mitchell Ryan and uh, Catherine Lee Scott to do one of those audio plays, and you, it's. I don't consider those canon. They're just like, they exist in their own universe in my mind, but it was right. really cool to hear Mitchell Ryan come back and play Burke again. Uh, it was called And Red All Over the audio play and it takes place many years later and it's what happened at first you're not sure like who is this character he sounds like burke he looks like burke supposedly but he died in a plane crash so what the heck happened so it's in, it's an interesting story at least and just really cool to hear Catherine lee scott maggie evans and burke devlin having scenes together again after all those years that's so cool yeah so how did you first Stumble across Dark Shadows. Oh, gosh. Okay. So I don't ever remember a time when I didn't know what Dark Shadows was because of my uncle, Valdemar, uh, who I talked about in my first, in the first episode. <laughs> He's not Valdemar. He, he does look a little like Valdemar Daninsky. I have, he looks a little like Paul Nashi. There's there's a little bit of a resemblance there. I'm like, wow, I've never seen him during a full moon now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But um, I, Uncle Valdemar, and downstairs from Uncle Valdemar lived, of course, my Aunt Agatha. So I was like, I was destined to be a horror host. I have an Uncle Valdemar and Aunt Agatha. (laughs) (laughs) This is the world I lived in. So my uncle uh, was a a huge monster kid in the 60s. Like, he was a kid in the 60s. My family moved here from Portugal, from the Azorian island of São Miguel, uh, or actually São Miguel, and then they lived in Terceira, which was one of the Azorian islands off the coast of Portugal, and they moved here in the 60s. So Uncle Val was a kid at that time. He immediately discovered American pop culture on television. He started watching the George Reeves Superman. You know, he got into all that stuff, like Lost in Space and Batman later on, uh, all that stuff, and horror especially the horror stuff. Like he was watching you know, Monsters, Adam's Family and Dark Shadows. And he would go, uh, there was a theater here at the Capitol Theater. He'd go see uh, Hammer movies at the Capitol Theater. Oh, wow. You know, they would show Hammer movies and stuff. Like he grew up loving that stuff. Fam- he'd get the famous Monsters of Filmland magazines, collect bubblegum cards. And he had his own set of fangs. I remember he had those Pickwick horror records, horror sound effects and things like that. And he would try to scare me with that stuff he loved trying to like scare me and but i was actually oh he loved it oh he said this oh it was meant to be then oh oh, gosh i just remember like when i he he probably scarred me for life but i was like i was little and i remember one night you know it was getting dark it was dusk and you hear outside the window and then there's a knock on the door and my mom opens the door and there's uncle val dressed head to toe as a vampire (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like freaked out. Like he just wanted to scare me, you know. But anyway, 
he started giving me that stuff. Like as he, he was getting into like late teens, early twenties. And he started giving me when I was little, his famous monsters magazines. Uh, I remember him giving me the, like Karloff as the mummy with a Basil Gogos painting on the cover. He gave me, Oh wow. And the Barnabas one. I remember he gave me the Barnabas one, uh, with the Barnabas painting on the cover and, uh, bubblegum cards. He started giving me his horror records. He gave me book of Poe stories. He just started giving me all that stuff. And he would tell me about these movies and shows. He would tell me about dark shadows. He would tell me like this, who Barnabas was and the story, the stories of dark shadows. He would talk to, to me about that stuff like, Oh, and then Quentin and he turns into a werewolf and Angelique is a witch. She made Barnabas a vampire and uh you know he would tell me about it but it wasn't on tv when i was really little but i guess as you know as i started getting older like going into 80 to like eight nine years old uncle val was the first person i knew who got a vcr at that time in the early 80s right and it was like one of those big clunky numbers you know that t- the the top loading vcr with the yes you know uh rca and it was uh you know they were i remember they were like pretty expensive back then too but he had a vcr and he immediately started getting copies of horror movies from friends of his who would make him copies so he lived with my grandmother and we'd go visit and he'd say oh i got the wolfman you want to watch it? I'm like, yeah, of course I want to watch it. You know, so I'd sit down, watch the Wolfman with him, watch the Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula. I watched all the Universal movies with him. He started getting all all that stuff, like the Vincent Price, uh, Corman, Poe cycle. He'd get those films, like House of Usher and stuff, and um, Mask of the Red Death. I mean, I was probably shouldn't have been watching this stuff when I was a little kid, like Hammer movies. Dracula has risen from the grave. I remember being totally freaked out by that, but it was so. <laughs> awesome and great, you know, like with the bakery and you know, Veronica Carlson and Christopher Lee. Biden. Oh, my God. Uh, but then at around that time as well, he started getting these bootleg syndicated copies of Dark Shadows. They were airing in syndication and other parts of the country and he met this guy mark who was also a fan and mark got him like these like fourth generation dark shadows tapes and i remember going over and he said i got dark shadows i got dark shadows and my mom was excited too because she used to watch it with him when she was a teenager so he put in the tape and i remember very distinctly that hand it was the first episode with barnabas where willie releases barnabas and oh. I just remember willie opening that coffin and that eerie hand with the black ring slowly reaching out and grabbing him by the throat and the absolute terror on John Carlin's face. Oh my God, Derek. I was like hooked so hard. Like I was like terrified. I became obsessed. I needed to watch more of them. I needed to see what happened next. And it just became like this thing where I just would go over to visit. I'd want to go over to watch Dark Shadows. And I would have awful nightmares about Barnabas Collins, terrible dreams about <laughs> Barnabas, you know, sometimes just things, scenes from the show or like where he has Maggie Evans locked up and he had me locked up or with David when he was trying wanted to kill Dave, poor David. <laughs> It's like yeah. David was a jerk, but wow, to be killed by a vampire, like to, to want, have a vampire after you was pretty terrifying. So I'd have all these terrible, terrible dreams. Um, but I loved watching it. And then the tapes ran out somewhere in, eight, in the 1795 storyline. And I was like, oh, no, what happened? How did Vicky get back to the present? Like I was so sucked in. Uh, and then a little bit of time went by and he found out my uncle at Channel 58 out of Vineyard Haven uh, here in Massachusetts was a UHF channel that was also airing Dark Shadows in syndication. So he actually 
got a roof antenna. This was he already had cable, but he got a roof antenna to switch back and forth just specifically to watch Dark Shadows. So uh, we would watch it and tape it, you know, when it was on. And uh, Channel 58, I think by the time we he got the antenna, it was already in the Adam storyline, uh, the Frankenstein story. Oh, okay. Yep, okay. yep. So uh, and they ran it all the way. They ran it all the way up into about halfway through uh, parallel time, 1970 parallel time, which was the entire syndication package up to that point because Dark Shadows at that time in the 80s and going into the 90s when it would air in syndication, the last year of the show and the first year of the show were not available in syndication or they were like extremely expensive and stations wouldn't pay for the last year of the show. So it ended like in that 1970 parallel time storyline where they were doing like Rebecca and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and then it ended so I was like oh it ended again I want to find out more but luckily like a couple of years later the MPI tapes started coming out and I started buying I had like a part-time job at my uncle's clothes store on weekends my another uncle of mine I would <laughs> spend all my money on Dark Shadows merch on tapes and fanzines like I got into the fandom at that time as well yeah, it just all fed together. Like it was like all part of that love of that classic horror stuff. And the guy love gothic horror, like all of that stuff. You know, he would he kind of fostered that interest in me and in all kinds of cool stuff like rock and roll, like fifties and sixties rock and roll and superheroes and things like that. He liked all and still to this day enjoys that stuff. So he kind of passed that on to me, which I I'm always grateful for. You know, like I I it sounds kind of lame, but to say that or geeky to say that, but like a lot of the stuff I like when I think back about it, it's because like Uncle Val introduced me to all that stuff, you know? I hear stories like this and I get so jealous because I didn't have anybody like that mm. growing up. So to to have somebody like that, uh, an older you know family member or, or, or mentor figure or whatever to introduce you to this wonderful fandom and, and hobby and obsession, <laughs> um, it, it just... God, this just sounds amazing. And that's one of the things that I try to do with like Monster Gate Radio and, and the different appearances that I do or whatever is that I want to be introducing people to this love and get them hooked. And that's, mm -hmm. I mean, and I feel like horror hosts do that and, and the scholars and the writers do that and the podcasters do that. And I think it's important to, to share that love uh, to keep this stuff going. Yeah. Yeah. And especially something like Dark Shadows, which, like you said, somebody, you know, the, the non-initiates, <laughs> like, oh, it's just a soap opera from the 60s. Well, it is, but it's so much more. And yeah. here, let me show you why. Yeah. And yeah. it's one of the things that I like about your show is that you never talk down to anybody about it. Uh, you're just like, hey, let's enjoy the, the fun and geek out together about Dark Shadows. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, and what you're doing is with monster kid radio you know is just such an important thing you know to perpetuate this you know i heard on another was another podcast it was unreal it was actually a he-man podcast masters of the universe podcast and they were talking about they're like oh all these podcasts now they never talk about the old horror movies like friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street i'm like those are the old horror movie the class the classic horror wait a minute <laughs> hold on a second <laughs> wait wait what <laughs> So yeah, it's um, like this is hmm. this is perpetuating the that love because you're what you're doing is from pure love for this stuff, right. you know, like and and passion for it and putting that out into the world is so important, you know, because it brings in even people who are already fans. It just jazzes them up, 
even more. And it also passes it on to new people who might want to check it out. Oh, like, what's this about? You know, a monster podcast, because this stuff is iconic for a reason, right? It's classic for a reason. And I love that you're celebrating it with Monster Kid Radio and keeping it going. And listeners just found out why I wanted to have Penny on the show. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no and, and, you know, I, I do it because I love it. And if I can bring more people along for the ride, that's great. And you're building the community. And I'm hoping people will listen to Tara Collinwood and get that same, I mean, I, I feel like they will, get that same kind of, wow, this is something cool that I want to learn more about and be part of. And... I mean, you're already on your way to developing what I think is going to be an awesome long-running podcast, and I'm a big fan already, uh, and, and not just because of the podcast, but because you've managed to bring in so many different interesting people and voices and the artwork that you've gotten on the website, and I want to talk about that. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Eric. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Eric has done some amazing stuff here. Uh, it's Eric Marshall. Yeah. Uh, he designed your logo. Yeah which looks like an amazing wood print yes. kind of art, which I would love to own like a wood print of that. Oh that my just God. Seems cool. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, so, so listeners check that out. And uh, again, link in the show notes, of course, but check out the artwork. But the cool thing, Oh, you launched a blog. Yeah. What if dark shadows had a cartoon in the 1970s? <laughs> oh, wow. Imagine if that had happened because Star Trek got a cartoon. So why can't dark shadows have a cartoon? Dang it. And I love the Star Trek cartoon. <laughs> yeah. But man, I would love the dark shadows cartoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Eric is prodigiously talented. Uh, Eric Marshall is a brilliant writer and artist. And I know Eric. We both have worked on the Masters of the Universe brand as writers for the toy packaging. Uh, We got a gig in 2016 writing uh, bios for the characters. And in fact, I introduced a vampire character into the He-Man lore, which was (laughs) my my one thing that I'm like, yes, I introduced a vampire into He-Man. I don't know if that character will ever see the light light of night i guess again uh but it's uh the crimson countess is that crimson right? countess yes yes and uh eric and <laughs> yeah yeah so eric and i worked on those bios for a while we worked on a couple of books for dark horse too and eric i've known eric from he did a lot of fan art over the years in the masters of the universe forums but he's a fan of all kinds of stuff like anything horror sci-fi fantasy eric is tends to be a fan of and he used to do an article for a magazine called serial geek where he would take 80s movies and reimagine them as cartoons like what if the goonies had a cartoon in the 80s and he would do like an 80s cartoon mock-up of the goonies for example so he's been watching dark shadows he he was an episode two of terror at collinwood he had watched mm-hmm. watched it here and there over the years but this is his first like full watch through of the show so he's he's getting sucked of course sucked into it so i said you know you did those articles in Serial Geek. What if you did Dark Shadows as a cartoon, but as a like cartoon after Dark Shadows went off the air, like with Star Trek? Like, what if Dan Curtis had pitched Dark Shadows as a car- Saturday morning cartoon after the show went off the air? So he came up with this amazing Hanna-Barbera model sheet that he sent me of Barnabas. 
And I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. This looks just like what Hanna-Barbera would have done back then. Like, he, he's a big fan of Alex Toth, of course, Space Ghost. So he did it in Alex Toth-inspired style. And he even put, like, aging around the edges of the model sheet. I mean, he's just so brilliant. And then he just started drawing the characters as he went through. He's sent me, he's like, oh, here's Quentin. Here's Angelique. Here's Adam with Professor Stokes. Here's, he would just start sending me, or here's Vicky and Burke, you know, like, he would just start which by the way wouldn't mitch ryan have been a great bruce wayne like he i was when i saw that i was like oh my god he looks oh wow he looks just like bruce wayne from batman the animated series yeah you know uh and i was then i thought about it i was like oh live action mitch ryan from the 60s probably would have been a good batman the dark knight batman um, oh <laughs> that, yes, that, yes. the chin you know <laughs> like oh you'd look yeah you'd look good somebody do a photoshop of mitch ryan as batman uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so he started sending me these model sheets and then he did Colin Wood. I mean, just so many great characters and, and he, he's doing more too. So I wrote up this article and initially my initial plan was to do it as kind of a, a pretend it was real, like lost model sheets from the Hanna-Barbera, you know, cartoon <laughs> that Dan Curtis pitched to, to compete with filmation Star Trek cartoon. But then I was talking to Ansel Farage, who's been on your podcast as well. And yep. uh, mm-hmm. Ansel was like, oh, that might not be a, such a great idea because people might believe it's true. And I, I agreed with him when I when you mentioned, I was like, yeah, Ansel's right. Because this, I don't want to spread misinformation. So I rewrote the article to just matter of factly say, hey, imagine if this was a thing, you know. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. we wanted it to be like a serious like we toyed with the idea of like what if it was like should it be like a funny cartoon or for kids or should it be like spooky and we both agreed it should be spooky definitely like you know a little more serious in tone but still kid friendly because we were like oh maybe we should have a cartoon dog which would be ridiculous we were like nah maybe not <laughs> because <laughs> the oh man you look at the like the whitman did a couple of dark shadows puzzles in the 60s and one of them has barnabas in a cemetery with this like really creepy looking black dog like this scary looking black dog standing near barnabas oh, i'm wow. like who the heck it, what's that dog like let's what put- would you name the dog because oh. it would it would have like a weird cutesy name too you <laughs> it know it should it should we did have a name for it we were going to call it this is a total like in joke for like fandom in joke. We were gonna call the dog. I was like Rodolfo because <laughs> because there's okay. So this is like I, I would have to explain this. Seaview Terrace, the Carry Mansion, which was used for Dark Shadows, the house that was used for Dark Shadows in Newport, Rhode Island, is. Mm-hmm. The owners of the Cary Mansion had, and they might, I don't know if it's still alive, but they had a dog and the dog, it was a, a like a bull mastiff and the dog's name was Rodolfo. So they, the, they, somebody did a fan film at the house at Seaview Terrace. They got permission to film at the house and there's an actor in the fan film who does plays both Julia and Barnabas, which is hysterically funny. Uh, and the Barnabas, when he's playing Barnabas, he hypnotizes the dog and goes, Rodolfo, listen, to, come to me, Rodolfo. And they're cutting to the poor dog, and the dog's just, like, staring, like, like blankly. <laughs> it was such a ridiculous, you know, in-joke. I was like, oh, if we put the dog in, we have to name it Rodolfo. <laughs> But we didn't. We ultimately decided not to because we're like, oh, no, we wanted to be a more like more in the spirit of the TV show and make it more serious. You know, we have already had one uh, attempt at a comedic Dark Shadows, which uh, I prefer not to uh, oh, to, to remember. But <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, wasn't going to bring that up. Hmm. <laughs> well, obviously, 
link in the show notes for all of this. I, I think Eric's artwork is amazing. I am transfixed by his rendering of uh, Angelique. Oh yeah, he really he really captured uh, Lara Parker's expression oh, in the eyes. Man. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. She's she's great. Yeah. So let me ask you this: If there was a cartoon and you had a chance to voice one of them, which character would you voice? Oh my goodness! Wow. Well, I would want all of the original actors who are still alive to come back okay. and do the voices. But um, oh, I mean, come on. I, 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 I clearly defer to Lara Parker. She has to be Angelique. But if she was wasn't interested, no, I can't. I can't say Angelique. She's too important. I, I'll say. Laura, I I would do Laura's voice. I would love to do her voice or Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> Mrs. Johnson would be fun. Ooh, Elizabeth. Oh, I could do Elizabeth. That would be fun. Oh, that'd be good. That would be a fun one to do. Uh, yeah. Anybody? Anybody? I'll and give me anybody. That I'll. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm. I just you know. The, the lady, it's the like, lady at the at the train station, who has one line. <laughs> that's that's the, the voice I would do. You know, they, Dan Curtis was actually floating a Dark Shadows cartoon at one at one point, like a, a an adult cartoon, like on for HBO. Uh, it was after the '91 series and before the the 2004 pilot that never aired, the the WB pilot. It was mm-hmm. I think in the early 2000s, maybe around 2000. They were. Uh, toying with the idea of doing a Dark Shadows animated series for HBO, which I think would have been could have could have been really cool if they had done that because you could get some of the voice actors from the original series back to do the voices, but you could really go to town with showing like Collinsport, you know, things they couldn't really afford yeah. to do in the original show, you know, because they were confined to that studio. But or you know, they did have some exterior stuff in the very early episodes, but like a really fully fully formed you know painted backgrounds for Collins port and stuff and make it really moody uh i think that could have been pretty cool uh, if they had done that yeah wow who would you voice who would you want to voice in the show oh me yes oh boy um <laughs> i i'll do the dog no dog um, from <laughs> <laughs> man because i i can't i can't imagine these characters without their original voices um, i know right that's the hard thing that's why i was like when I said Angelique, I immediately felt like I'm not worthy. I can't, I can't do that. But it's like, but there's. I mean, uh, I'm looking at the character list and I'm trying. You know what? I think Joe Haskell would be fun. Ooh, yeah. I could see that. That would be awesome. And, and not just because I could imagine, you know, being romantically involved with Maggie Evans. Not just for that reason. <laughs> see, I thought you were going to pick <laughs> Professor Stokes because he's sort of, oh. he's sort of like the Van Helsing of the show, kind of, in a way. I mean, he's the occult expert, you know, so. <laughs> I could uh, see that. Tell you what, bring in Dr. Guthrie. I'll be Dr. Ooh, Guthrie. Dr. Guthrie. Oh, Dr. Lang. Maybe. <laughs> Dr. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. So we've been chatting for about an hour. I could chat with you for another few hours about all things Dark Shadows and then maybe talk about some other things. But <laughs> but, but I do want to start wrapping up. Is there anything coming up on the show you want listeners to know about oh gosh well i'm in the process of moving right now uh, i'm going to be mm-hmm. actually moving this uh coming friday so i'm going to be taking a little bit of a break uh until i get set up with wi-fi and my new apartment and everything but once i come back i am going to be back in full force and i definitely i'm going to be having some people from the show itself i hope to get on the podcast and uh, lots of more lots more spectral guests like derek who at some point i want to have a 
Derek on for sure. Uh, talk future storyline. Uh, but other than that, yeah, no, that's uh, I'll I'll definitely be back with it down the road. I know you're in the middle of a move, and we've we've chatted offline a couple of times, and I know you're about to make a big move, which is really cool, and I'm excited for you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Thanks, yeah. But but I'm even more excited that the show's going to be coming back too. So, yeah, it'll be uh, a brief, even though you're brief a break, break so. just a little brief break, not too long. Yeah, yeah. I totally get it. Totally <laughs> get it. Um, I'm so excited, and I'm so proud of of the show and what you've done, and interview for this, and I just I could see this thing running for years. Uh, if if you are willing, I'll be listening. Awesome. Well, thank you for helping to inspire the show and for giving me lots of advice on on how to do a podcast because <laughs> I am not a technical person by any means. Like for for the the horror host show, it was Rebecca that always did the uh, editing and all of that stuff. So I am not really good with that stuff so it's definitely been kind of expanding my horizons a little bit to learn how to actually do this stuff which is good you know I think it's good to learn new things as you get older I think I I find I tend to get like into a comfortable place where I'm like okay I'm pretty comfortable I don't need to learn how to do these things and I think that's when you start to fall out of touch with stuff and it's like I want to learn how to do a a podcast so thank you for your advice I appreciate it (laughs) Yeah, no, no problem. I'll be sending you that consulting bill here in a little bit. So, no, I will not. <laughs> you have to let my uh, my uh, admin Rodolfo handle that. <laughs> you know who to call when you have ghosts, but who do you call when you have monsters? We're the Monster Squad. What's a squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. They're young and inexperienced. Naughty virgin. They're a bit disorganized. Monsters are not real. We don't know that, sir. 2,000-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves. But when strange things start happening in town... There's a monster in my closet. Ooh, look at that big, scary monster! What's happening? Do I the werewolf? Silver They're the only ones ready to do battle. Because he's out there and he's killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's going to do a thing about it but us. Real monsters? Us? Midnight in the world, remember? Maybe we can be like Mask Squad and Stingy. Two Mask Bombs. Yeah, 235. Stick back up. Hurry up. On each of Squad. The book is right. Don't you see it's all true? By midnight. You go. They won't seem so young anymore. Monster Squad. Wolfman's gone. I can transplant his brain. If I don't, it'll die through lack of oxygen. In his nightmare mind, one more horror, one last horrendous act. Frankenstein must be destroyed. Go away! Please! 
Frankenstein must be destroyed. Peter Cushing, Veronica Carlson. Frankenstein must be destroyed. This picture has been rated M, suggested for mature audiences. Look, then run for your life. Incredible is the word for the world's first monster musical. See in magnificent Eastman color, the daring, dancing, enticing, and horrifying, the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. From the innocence of music and laughter comes the twilight of terror. Along the midway, scantily clad dancers luring the young lovers into the sideshows. See the dancing girls of the carnival murdered by the incredible night creatures of the midway. I really know that something evil lies ahead for me. An unspeakable pit of dismal subhuman monsters who drool and gibber, moaning for the thrill of revenge. Incredible are the songs, the gaiety, the zombie stomp of those who will stop living. And then the mix-up, trickery, and the device to ruin. See the hunchback of the midway fight a duel of death with the mixed-up zombies. Turning men into monsters, twisted, tormented human vultures. Yearning to kill. Incredible creatures clutching at the thin thread of their miserable lives. Human vultures, only the weird zombies remain. Obey. Who is the woman branded in birth wearing the ward of horror? Do as Madame Estrella said. The world's first monster musical. The incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. That brings us to the very end of this episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being here. I appreciate everybody being part of the Monster Kid Radio community. Thank you for sharing posts and retweeting tweets and just letting people know about everything that we do here because the more Monster Kids, the merrier. You know what I'm saying? Big thanks to Mark and Kenny and Penny Dreadful for their contributions this week as well. Penny, it was amazing to talk with you, and I'm so sorry that I missed out and I had to cancel our upcoming appearance together on your podcast. But you know what, listeners? It's such a great show. You need to check it out. Terror at Collinwood.com. Again, links in the show notes. And uh, you want to check out at least the drawings, the artwork. What if Dark Shadows had a 1970s cartoon? Oh, that artwork is brilliant. The podcast, even more so. Again, monsterkidradio.net is where you're going to want to go for everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio. Check it all out there when you get a chance if you want to know more about what we do here. Next week on the show, we have a returning guest. Seb Godain is going to be here next week, and we're going to talk about his upcoming movie project, an upcoming double feature release, and just catch up with him. You know, I love that we've got so many independent filmmakers in the Monster Kid Radio I don't know what you call this, crew, um, guest community. You know, just I love talking to independent filmmakers that have a love for this kind of stuff. And Seb, Seb's great. He's younger than me, 
but he's a monster kid through and through. And I can't wait to chat with him and share that conversation with you guys and gals next week. Of course, on Saturday, we've got the Monster Kid Movie Club with Mad Scientists. On Tuesday, we have the Monster Kid Astronomy Club with Harry Houdini. So we have that going on beforehand. Also, we have a tea Public shop. You can buy t-shirts and merchandise supporting Monster Kid Radio. It's all Monster Kid stuff. A lot of it is the artwork that I use for various episodes of Monster Kid Radio. And lately I've been trying to create some more unique items with like John Agar's head or put or Peter Cushing's or Blackula's head. I think we've got John Carradine's Dracula up there as well. And I'm hoping if not today, then by this weekend, we're going to have a Barnabas Collins t-shirt available for sale as well. And you can find that by going to tinyurl.com slash MKRT shirt. It's MKR, the letter T, and then shirt. You know what I'm going to say next. Link in the show notes. All right, listeners, once again, thank you for being here. Let's go ahead and get this going out to you guys and gals. But before I go, I want to remind you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song, The Bat. That is copyright 2021, Los Dedos. You can find it on their self-titled EP release, Los Dedos at losdedos.bandcamp.com. Follow the link in the show notes and let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.